make sure that you have a really good leader that you're going to work for. One who is not only going to set your goals, but is going to be there as a coach and a mentor to you as well. Because that's very important in the early part of your career. This is Women Killing It. Each week, women who are killing it in their careers share their stories and advice for making it in today's working world. Your host is Sally Hubbard. Today's guest is Alicia Tillman. Alicia is the Chief Marketing Officer of SAP, the global market leader in enterprise software. Previously, Alicia was a Vice President at American Express. Congratulations, Alicia. You are killing it. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's fun to be killing it, let me tell you. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I'm I'm super excited to hear about your career path. And I wanted to see if you could start by giving us an idea of what being the CMO of SAP involves. Absolutely. Um, so, so first of all, thank you so much for having me today. And being the CMO of SAP is a pretty cool gig. I'll say that first and foremost. And I say that for a couple of different reasons. One is just more broadly to be in the function of marketing in today's environment. I don't feel that there is any better place to be within a company because I've always been a believer that marketing is where all creativity needs to start in a company. And today we need more creativity than we ever have before because Companies are struggling to find their purpose, find how they're differentiated so that they can stand out amongst the uh, incredible choices that consumers have today. And marketing has an incredible ability to lead that, lead how an organization defines their purpose, defines their differentiation, and shows their value in truly unprecedented ways so that um, competitive threats become a thing of the past. My role at SAP enables all of that. Um, I've been in my role for about half a year now, so not that long, but um, I am incredibly empowered to take a a 45-year-old brand and really work to Make sure that our purpose is understood in in a world today where purpose really matters and is becoming the leading differentiator um, and how brands of today are defined. What do you stand for? Why were you created? How are you creating real change in the world? And I'm empowered to do that. And it's just, it can't be more exciting uh, of a time to be a marketer. And I'm especially proud to be the head of marketing for SAP. You've reached the C-suite, which is a huge accomplishment in itself. I've seen some statistics recently that say that, you know, women account for only 18% of C-suite executives. So that in itself is a gigantic accomplishment. But looking back at your career, are there any highlights that really stand out to you? I think it's a great question. And there are a lot of highlights. And, you know, I count a highlight as a learning, not, not necessarily where you've had this moment of success. But every learning, and learnings can be defined as um, amazing moments and maybe not so amazing moments. And so 
I've had an incredible privilege in my career to work for three very outstanding companies. I started my career at a company called Rosenbluth International, which at the time was the third largest travel management company in the world, which later was acquired by American Express. Um, and then I, I, I was part of the American Express family for 11 years then. I uh, made my way over to SAP, where I first started as the CMO of Ariba, one of uh, SAP's brands, and, and then I've had the privilege to be in this role uh, for the past five months. And um, it's an incredible journey that I've had, and the moments that I have cherished are the opportunities that I've had to build high-performing teams. I'm a big believer in um, really getting the best out of people, and especially in the function of marketing, where I have spent my career you know, in both corporate communications as well as in marketing. And people who are in those fields are incredibly creative at their core. And sometimes they really need to be jump-started and feel empowered to be able to really have that ability to unleash that creative being that they have inside of them. And, you know, I've, I've built amazing teams at all three of, of the companies that I've worked at. And those are certainly my most proud moments because when my team thrives, then business can thrive. At the same time, I've also had to make really tough decisions in my career. Um, I've had to make some really tough talent decisions when you don't have the right fit. Um, and I've also had to make some really tough decisions around prioritization because everybody's passionate about the work they do, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the right work that the business needs. And so understanding your business and what type of a marketing strategy or a communication strategy is that they need. Sometimes it's cultural. Sometimes it's about the journey, the time of the journey that the company is in uh, that really defines what type of a strategy they need. And so shutting down things and shutting down pieces of work so that we can focus on other things that are going to really align to what's going to drive real value. And the company has taken a lot of hard decisioning, too, in my career, of which I also count as an achievement and something that I'm very proud of. Yeah, I have to say, prioritizing is just an ongoing struggle for me personally. And I'm finding that the higher I get in the, my career, the more I need to get better at it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm, I imagine with all of the stuff on your plate, you have to really become an expert at figuring out what is the most important thing to focus your attention on at that time. And how do you have any strategies for that? Yeah, I would say that First and foremost, be a really good listener. Be a really good listener with people that are considered your stakeholders. So in my case, I would say that I have two bodies of stakeholders. I would say I have a, a body of internal stakeholders, whether it be those who run the various lines of business or product lines across SAP. Uh, understanding their requirements. What is it that they require from the marketing team 
to be able to support their priorities. What are their priorities? And how do we both believe that marketing can play a role in their success? And so I spent a lot of time listening internally. But then the other body of constituents that I listen to also are our customers. What are the needs of our customers? Because they are always changing and there there are a variety of views based on the industry or the functional area that you represent in your company. And so I would say prioritization starts with uh, being very aware of who you are there to service and what their needs are to enable me to know that I am creating a strategy that is on track and there to support their needs. And then the second thing I would say when it comes to prioritization is then check back often. So it's one thing to have a single conversation to gather some feedback and a list of requirements, um, but priorities change and they change often. And that's often the challenge that you have because you don't take on a single priority at the start of the year and not have 15 to 20 others be piled on top of it throughout the year. So checking back often with your stakeholders, your internal and your external stakeholders, to see if this is still what matters to them or if something has changed, will enable you to feel like prioritization is a team sport versus something that you need to be individually tasked with. And and then I would also say, make sure you've got a, a really clear, open line of communication with your direct leader. Your leader is there to not only set a vision for your organization, but to also make sure that you are operating and on track. Um, and so what I would though cautiously say is, don't expect your leader to prioritize for you but make sure your leader is in support of how you are prioritizing your time because you need your leader to be your number one champion. And as long as the two of you have alignment and there's an understanding on, on how you've gone about prioritizing, to me, those are the three ways to, to really ensure that uh, prioritization is managed very well. So you, it's an active, ongoing um, exercise, it sounds like. You have to keep reevaluating and realigning, uh, you know, what are your top priorities? Absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a great example. Um, you know, and it's quite typical that at the end of every year, you start to build your roadmap and your plan and your budget for the upcoming year. Um, but I will say, you know, already being a month into 2018, Priorities have already changed. Um, you know, what we believed we were going to need to be focused on at the end of last year, now being a month in and seeing um, shifts in requirements already happen has caused us to already um, reprioritize and move some of the budgeting mix around to support the ever-changing dynamics that exist in our business and exist from a requirement standpoint with our customers. And so that constant method of reaching out and being a sponge to, to take in what priorities are, um, to make sure that you remain continuously focused on the right things absolutely has to be 
there has to be a process that is there driving how you work to prioritize yourself. I'd also love to hear about your career path. You know, what are some of the inspirations for the changes that you've made? You know, um, I mean, have you been in marketing since the beginning? So I started off, it's an excellent question. I, um, I always had this creative itch. I, I had always, um, when I was younger, been drawn to the arts and music and being able to look for different ways to express yourself or to express a point of view. And so looking at that through, you know, things that when you translate that into the company world, media, um, advertising or journalism was always something that I had a very fond interest in. Um, And so my very first job at a school I had mentioned a few minutes ago was with a company called Rosenbluth International. I was born and raised in New Jersey. When I finished college, I said, well, I live sort of between New York and between Philadelphia and coming right out of school, New York feels a bit overwhelming. And so let me see if I can start my career in in Philadelphia. And so I picked up Fortune magazine. And I said, what are the best companies to work for in America? And do any of them exist in Philadelphia? And I found on the list this company called Rosenbluth International. And um, I put a resume in for the head of global corporate communications, which demanded 15 years experience. Of course, I had zero experience. And I said, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to put my resume in. And I know I probably won't get that job, but hopefully they'll feel there's something interesting about me and there might be something, you know, more based on my eagerness and my lack of experience that they could cite for me. And so I did get a phone call and I was accepted into a program that they had at the time, which was a brilliant program. Um, It was a management trainee program, which lasted six months, and you spent two weeks in every department. So you rotated through all of the functional areas of the company. So you spent time in finance, accounting, marketing, communications, human resources, all of the um, functional areas of the business. And I thought it was such a brilliant opportunity to be able to get into a company and see all the different functions that made up a company's operations. And so I was part of that and accepted into that program. And I did that job for about four months. And I had the privilege of rotating through the office of the CEO. And a job had opened up in the CEO's office. And I was accepted um, and, and asked to take on a role Uh, working hand in hand with the CEO in which I did that job for about two and a half years. And not knowing anything that was going to come in my career, I had said, this is going to be the best job I'll ever have because I essentially got trained by a CEO. And he was an incredible CEO, Hal Rosenbluth, because he was a visionary. He was a thought leader. He was a dreamer, um, a big idea person. And it really at its core was all about creativity. And so, you know, I, I, I worked underneath him for two and a half years and um, knew and 
that communications and marketing was the still remained what I had believed, but had validated even more was the place I wanted to be to be able to translate a company's strategy into creative materials to help our sales team sell or to help our customer teams retain our customers for life, to be able to create the creative assets to support that was something that I was very fond of. And, you know, after I had that position, I moved into, into that area. And then that's really when my, my communications and my marketing career then began, which I was very, very proud of. There's one thing that I really love about that story, and that is that you submitted your application even though you didn't have the qualifications that they were seeking. Because you've seen a lot of studies that say that women will nix themselves if they don't meet, you know, they, they want to meet nine out of 10 qualifications and men will yeah. do the opposite, yeah. right? That is just really awesome that you didn't fall into that, that trap that a lot of us women fall into and you just went for it. I love that. You know, I knew what I wanted to do, but I also knew that others are better equipped and capable of knowing what the role requires and could perhaps see something in me that I have but didn't know could be a fit, which is what often happens. Women get tapped for roles and they sometimes will say, well, I don't have that kind of experience or, you know, I'm not sure that I can do that because I haven't uh, done it before. Um, but people get tapped for good reason. And you should never, never uh, overlook that, even if it does seem unachievable. Life is about risk in order to gain the reward. And there are that's the beauty of really taking on advice and seeking guidance. And as I said in my in our last question, be a really good listener because people are always looking for great talent. And if somebody sees something in you, believe it exists and go after it. And what an amazing opportunity to work so closely with a CEO at the beginning of your career. Yeah, it was it was absolutely an incredible experience because, um, I mean, the CEO is obviously in charge of all of the operations of the business and the overall success of the business. And it gave me an appreciation for running an organization from the early days in my career. And one of the things that I do pride myself on as a leader is I have a true appreciation for how all functional areas can and need to work together as a result. Having that understanding of, of that, I think, has helped me be able to navigate an organization successfully and also know how to stand up an organization that really works in collaboration with the other functions of an organization to gain success. And that's something that I also feel is a strength of mine because I do believe also at the core of success is your ability to know how to collaborate effectively with others. Success, as I said before, is not an individual sport. It is about how well you work with the team and understanding the team and understanding all the different roles 
of each individual team member and then how they can collectively work hand in hand is something that every leader needs to have an appreciation for um, to really know how to gain success in using collaboration as something that uh, is really core to anyone's ability to drive true success in an organization. You know, that is um, kind of like the ultimate lesson of the famous book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by um, Stephen Covey from the 1980s. And when I was started reading that book, it said that, you know, the, the ultimate pinnacle is collaboration. And that's when you find the most success. I actually got angry <laughs> because I said, because I said, this is a stereotypical feminine skill, collaboration. And in the 80s, we knew it was the key to success. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> Literally, he was trying to train men to take on skills that most women are, you know, yeah. already excel at. Instead of saying, let's put women in those positions. Yes, right? yes thank you. That, that was probably the, the, the real message that we were trying to send. But you're absolutely right about that. Um, women, you know, definitely have known to be m more natural collaborators. And, um, you know, and also, you know, a lot of things, you know, more, in, in, more intuitive. There's incredible skills that I believe women possess that we should really be proud about and talk about, you know, talk about our intuitive skills. Because intuition and your ability to sort of judge a person's character um, or judge whether or not something should be really a focus, that's a skill that's really needed in today's environment. And I say that because people get ju judged today on their authenticity. It's how brands get judged. It's how we as individuals get judged. And a woman's ability to have very strong intuitive skills to be able to understand a person's character and build a brand of authenticity. I think that's a tremendous skill that we possess as women that we really need to leverage certainly in the field of marketing because everybody wants to build an authentic brand today. Um, and, and it's certainly something that as I build the story of the SAP brand, my focus, number one, has been to tell a story that is nothing but an, a reflection of authentically who we are. There will be nothing that is point in time or there, you know, to support a trend. The story is always going to be about how and why we are found were founded, which was to help the world run better and improve people's lives. And for me to then focus on doing nothing but being an incredible storyteller on how, in fact, our customers are being empowered through SAP technology to, in fact, do that. And so I say that in the context of skills that I believe women possess very well but I do think it, it aids me quite well in the role that I have today. So these skills for being great collaborators, being highly intuitive, you talked before about how important it is to be a good listener. You know, these are all stereotypically feminine traits that are that lead to better business outcomes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as you referred to Stephen Covey and the power of collaboration, um, 
that is absolutely core in a company's ability to be successful. We might be able to have some short-term success if we uh, drive things as individuals, but it's not going to be long-term success. Because if you want to really drive towards longer-term success, you've got to create a following around your ideas. And you frankly have to build an army to be able to build scale with your ideas. And you can't do that alone. And, and to me, collaboration is at the heart of that. And, you know, as powerful women leaders who are out there killing it, you know, really harnessing our traits as being good collaborators and good listeners and incredible at our intuitive skills. Those are things that really matter today and, and what I believe are successful ingredients in uh, leadership traits. I totally agree. What are some lessons that you've learned throughout your experiences? Particularly, there's a question I like to ask everyone, which is what is something that you know now that you wish you would have known when you started your career? I think that it's it gets a lot to what we've just talked about related to collaboration. I find that when you're first starting out, um, you really work hard to prove yourself and prove yourself as an individual. And, um, and also when you start out, you don't really necessarily know the resources that are there to support you. You know, I was always a believer that reaching out to ask for help was a sign of weakness, where in fact, um, it's more a sign of your belief in the power of working together and having an open mind about others, other people's ideas or ways of doing things. Um, and that's something that you do learn with experience. You know, it is absolutely, you know, the core of how I operate today. But I will say when I was young, right out of school and ready to conquer the world, I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it all by myself. And um, you know, I, I now realize and was able to see with the unbelievable jobs and mentors that I've had along the way, the resources that are there for me and the power of asking for a different point of view or, hey, can we team up and go after this project together? It really is so beneficial to not only yourself when you have more people contributing to a goal, but then ultimately to the success of your company that you're in. Because the more people involved, the more diversity and thought you have. And then the more you have to create a followership, to create a movement around something within your business. So I would say to you know any young professional that's starting out, um, Never view reaching out for help or to ask for a second opinion to ever feel like um, people perceiving you as being weak. It's actually quite the contrary. Um, you will create a perception that you're a team player and that you value and understand the power of collaboration and, and working together and the effect that it can have on you and how you're perceived, and then in the overall success that you can drive for your company. You know, I actually 
put together a uh, seven steps to killing it action plan that kind of synthesized a lot of the advice I'd heard on this podcast. And one of the steps is ask for help because I've heard that so often and it doesn't come, I think, naturally to us, particularly women. I'm not sure if it comes naturally to men either, but um, it's not our first instinct to ask for help, right? (laughs) Do you think that's something that can be short-circuited? I mean, you mentioned that it, it comes with time and I feel like a lot of things come with time, but part of the goal with this podcast is to save the younger generation some of the grief <laughs> and obstacles as more senior women have been th- women in more senior positions have been through. Do you think it can be learned at a younger age? I think that podcasts like this are absolutely tools that can help us get to a better mindset when we're first starting out. So I would encourage all of our young listeners to listen to podcasts like this, to read, and to simply just ask questions. It's okay. Um, Because especially when you're starting out, it's no secret that you don't have any experience in the job that you're taking on. (laughs) We know where you've come from. We know what your experience is. And when you don't lift up and ask questions or ask to collaborate, that is something that we'll see as something that requires development. And I think it's very easy um, to shortcut that and not have to necessarily learn it through years and years of experience. I think Also making sure that as you're starting out, in addition to listening and learning and and reading, make sure that you have a really good leader that you're going to work for. One who is not only going to set your goals, but is going to be there as a coach and a mentor to you as well. Because that's very important in the early part of your career that your leader is also serving as your mentor and your coach because, you know, and why why it, it for me took time and experience. My first boss at a school was the CEO of the company. And so sitting down and having him coach me and give, you know, really, really prescriptive feedback was not what our discussions were. And so a lot of my learning had to come on my own. You know, but as others, you know, you seek your first roles, make sure that, you know, if you are reporting to someone that's very high level, make sure, though, that you're seeking out a mentor alongside of that person who can serve as your coach, because that'll help you gain some institutional knowledge on how to really, you know, position your mindset in ways that are going to really matter. Did you have important mentors throughout your career? I have. Um, you know, I've been blessed with, um, you know, having incredible leaders that I've reported directly to. But I've also had, you know, some really strong mentors as well. And, 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 and not necessarily, I would say, formal mentors where, you know, we got together on this date at this frequency for this amount of time but more in a casual sense. And I would say both internally within the company I was in, externally, you know, those who were marketers outside of the company or had a different, you know, role of leadership, but then also personally, you know, whether it be my family serving as a sounding board for me or, 
you know, um, where I could go for advice or counsel or to keep me sane on a bad day because we all have them. Um, you know, family and friends, I would put in the mentor category just as much as I would as, as colleagues or others that have given me feedback along the way. Um, and I, I'm always someone who asks for feedback often because it's important for your own personal growth and development because we can never stop learning, regardless of how many years that we've been in an industry. There is always something new to learn every single day and to listen and, and always ask for feedback is the way is is one way that you can always ensure that you're learning and growing with each day as as certainly the world evolves. The mentors that you had that were not, you know, formal mentors, how did you get them as mentors? Was it just from asking them for feedback or was there a different approach? Yeah, it was definitely on my own. It was it was just reaching out to people myself. In some cases, I would ask my leaders for their recommendations. If there was something that a leader wanted me to develop on, I would say to them, tell me somebody in the business that you feel actually has this as a strength. So if, for example, you know, the feedback was you need to, you know, focus on your public speaking skills, I would say, okay, give me an example of somebody in the company that you feel is an excellent public speaker. And if I didn't know that person, I would say, that's fabulous. Could you make an introduction between me and that person? Because I'd love to learn from them. And so that's a good way, um, you know, if you're getting feedback from your leader and he or she says to you, this is a development area for you, um, or their feedback on who they think is actually doing this right. And that's an easy way for you to kind of really get to a specific thing that you need to work on quickly, which is really what I focused on. And less about, you know, sort of a broad, you know, let me just go talk to someone about anything and everything. I like to be very specific on things that I would need to work on. And something that I would counsel on as well, um, I use a lot of more of the kind of general, broad um, feedback. That's what I use my friends and my family for because they know me best and, you know, can keep me true to my character. But as it comes to specific skills, I like to hone in and reach out to people myself for those who are exceptional in those areas that I've reached out to throughout my career to help me in them as well. I love this advice because I think that when you actually ask someone who is is good at a specific thing to, you know, talk to you, you learn so much more in a conversation with that person than you would learn if you were like, okay, now I'm going to go read a book about public speaking and I'm going to watch some videos and maybe I'll take a training. And, you know, that would take you so much more time and you would learn a lot less than reaching out to that person and um, just having a conversation with them. You can learn so much, so much more quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And be specific because um, you, you want to progress the areas that are considered a development area for you quickly. You want to put a plan in place. And so finding mentors for a specific purpose is something that I would definitely recommend, you know, if there's something really specific that you need to work on. Otherwise, you can find yourself, 
just having really general conversations, which are not a bad thing. Everybody likes to bounce a variety of things off of people for feedback. Um, but my approach has always been to find people that have very specific skills that they excel in and be very direct with them to say, this is an area that I want to improve in. Can I shadow you? Can I understand how you've developed yourself so well in this area? And are there any tips or tricks that I can learn from you? Be very specific when you seek mentors and, and when you spend your time with them in terms of what you're looking for. That is fantastic advice. Um, Alicia, our time is running out, but I just want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your incredibly busy schedule to talk to us today. And these are some great nuggets that I know are going to help our listeners. Um, but thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much. It was my pleasure and I really enjoyed our conversation today. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to our podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and most importantly, tell a friend about us. Thanks for joining us.